Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I'm Dr. Jay Calvert, former president of the Rhinoplasty Society for mm. two years, believe mm. it or not. Did I do. you know that? I did. I was the pandemic. You president. were. They kind of just kept you moving along. <laughs> too much work, <laughs> too many Zooms to you get a get new to one. <laughs> be the two year president, but that's okay. Yes. I'm here today, Dr. Millicent Ravello, the very uh, healthy and anti-aged mm-hmm. Dr. Ravello. How are you doing? I am doing well. I just saw my anti-aging doctor and she gave me an A++. So I don't know if it's A++, it might have just been an A+, but I'm going with it. You do much better at the anti-aging doctor than I do. <laughs> I think it's because I'm older. Probably. I have a little bit of time on you. Yeah. A little bit. Uh, that's good. It's great. You know, doctors have to go to the doctor. We do. Sort of. Sometimes. We're terrible about I that. I know. I'm the worst. Yeah, I'm like, I'll just call that in. It'll be fine. <laughs> Every time I go, I get bad news. <laughs> You're too stressed. Mm. You work too hard. Yeah, all of Do you the ever above. sleep? Those no. are sort of the comments. Yeah, eh. it's life. Still here. Still doing what we do. That's right. Doing it well. Which brings us to today's topic, kind of. Rhinoplasty. Rhinoplasty, because that is what you do, and you do it very well. In our ongoing, thank you, in our ongoing 101 series, this is Rhinoplasty 101, and we do need to kind of get through it uh, without taking 17 days to do it because this is really a 101 version. It is the 101 version, so doctor, curb your detours. <laughs> it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. This is going to be really rough. And we're just going to hit the highlights, hit the basics, what you need to know if you're at all even considering having a rhinoplasty. So let's just start with the term rhinoplasty. What does that even mean? And what is a primary rhinoplasty? So it's any kind of nose reshaping. Uh, you know, plasty is the word that we use for, you know, to mold or reshape anything. And so a rhinoplasty, the rhino known for its horn on its nose and it's it's a nose reshaping right straightforward uh and who gets it is somebody that is not happy with the way that their nose looks or the way that their nose works right kind of it's usually it's it's really about aesthetic rhinoplasty that we're talking today the function of course the nose is a functional organ so you have to ensure when you do change the shape that you're going to have a functional organ afterwards that either works as well or better than when you started. So I think that's something that's really important to consider when you are saying, hmm, I don't really love my nose. What can I do about it? And then that's where the the rhinoplasty surgeon needs to come in and do all the things that we've talked about previously, which is take a good history, do a strong physical exam with a head and neck exam where you're really looking in the nose and in the throat and all over the face to, to assess what's going on with the nose. And, and then really talking about all the things that can be possible for that patient. Right. So this is more on the aesthetic side. There are patients that come in with breathing issues or they have a deviated septum and they really need their nose to work better. That's a little bit different. That's a septoplasty. That's a functional rhinoplasty. But if they at all mention, well, I don't like how this looks or I don't like this hump or I don't like this tip. Now we're talking more about the aesthetic rhinoplasty, which is a topic of today's conversation. And the two can be combined. It's not one or the other. Um, But right now we're just doing the aesthetic part. Right, and all different aesthetic complaints bring people in. It, it really is sort of a ethnocentric kind, uh, kind of complaint 
uh, set list. You know, it really right. is. It's like it is. it's like yeah. okay. So what about like you know, black people? What do they complain about? Well, they complain about like having a low bridge and a wide you know wide nasal base and you know amorphous tips and typically want more projection of all those things right. and narrowing and and more definition. Those are sort of the the common things for for that ethnic group. And then there's Asian rhinoplasty, same kind of things, want to build up the bridge, narrow the, the nostrils, more definition. White people have every kind of different complaint. The they're place, all over yeah. the place. And they're, you know, they're humps, yeah. too long, too big, Hispanic too short. Hispanic rhinoplasty. I yeah. mean, we could go through all the different ethnic groups. We don't need to do that today, but really their, their complaints need to be sort of focused. And what I tell patients is, Give me the three things that really matter to you the most so that I can actually focus in on what's going on right. with your head about why you're here talking to me about changing your nose. Right. And I think it's important just to reference back to one of our ethnic rhinoplasty podcasts because when these different ethnic patients come in, we're not trying to make all of them look like one set nose. No, so hardly. that's important to say. And that has nothing to do even with ethnicity. It's all patients. We're not giving a set nose or a set set of aesthetic standards across the board. It really is what bothers you in particular about your nose and then here's what we can do to fix it yeah and you want to be specific because you know rhinoplasty is a precision operation as much as any operation can be precision uh and we have the ability to really affect just amazing changes for the, for right. the nose that uh, you know, and as I always say about rhinoplasty, rhinoplasty is identity surgery because when your nose changes and it has more harmony with your face and the way that you look, man, does that impact the way that your life goes. Right. People, I mean, people say that all the time, like it changed their lives. Like they just feel so much more confident. They feel so much better about themselves. They feel less shy in their photos. They're more confident in social situations. So it really can be a game changer, especially if you're someone who's just really self-conscious about your nose. A hundred percent. I mean, I, I had some patient who was like a year after surgery. She came back, she hadn't seen her in a while. And I said, so how's your nose? She goes, how's my nose? Why don't you ask me, how's my life? Because this has changed my entire existence. Oh, wow. She goes, you have no idea what this, you don't even, she's like, kind of like got on me, like, you don't even know what you do for people. <laughs> you don't even know the power of what you do, kind of like that. And I said, well, I have a good idea. I kind of <laughs> thought I did. And she was like, my life has been so much better. She's huh. like, I don't, I'm not shy. I've come out of my shell. I, I'm, I've advanced at work. She's like, it, it's completely altered everything about my existence. She's like, you have radically impacted my life by giving me the confidence that I always thought I should have. That's amazing. Full disclaimer, that's not going to be every patient. <laughs> but no, but it's a they lot. They can get very close. And I think that's an incredible yeah. story. And, and I totally believe it. That makes perfect sense. Well, it, it is a lot of patients, though. I mean, it, and they may not all say that, but I, I can I can tell you from experience with especially my primary rhino, secondary rhinoplasty, revision rhinoplasty patients, different story. They have they have a different set of issues that are dealt with with an operation. But with primary rhinoplasty patients, especially my 16 to 25 year olds, right. radical 
changes in their confidence level when they look in the mirror and they see that great looking nose and the hump's gone and the or they've built the bridge or whatever whatever right. that change that they were looking for it just ups the game for them it's a big deal so how does this happen what exactly how do you go about getting a primary rhinoplasty well you got to identify what you don't like about your nose then you got to find your surgeon and this is where looking at the befores and afters, like we always say, is incredibly important. Don't just go to say, you know, who your friend went with or who you see on social media all the time. All of those are great places to start when you're kind of building your list of surgeons to go to. But you really have to go to the surgeon that makes the kinds of noses you like because that's going to be the kind of nose you'll probably get. So someone may be huge on social media and then you go to their webpage, maybe you don't like how their noses look. There might be great noses. They might not just be your style that you want. That might not be the surgeon for you. So find the nose you like and then go find that surgeon. Yeah, the before and afters are key. Uh, that I always tell people, you know, when they come in, they'll, they'll, I'll say, well, how'd you find me? They say, oh, you know, I was referred by so-and-so or and then I looked at your before and afters. I go, did you like them? They're like, yeah, they look great. I go, then you're great. in the right place. Great. Yeah, you want to like the before and afters. Uh, I find that it's hard for patients to discern what happened in those photos, though. Right. So they don't exactly know what they're looking at. Which is fine. They just yeah. have to know. I mean, that's our job. Our job is to be able to say, well, this is what happened in this picture and this patient. And this is how we can get there with you. They don't need to know that detail. They just have to know that they like what they see. Yeah. And then, and then we can sort of walk them through the rest when they tell us what they don't like. And we can say this is, you know, what might be best for you. So once you've sort of found the surgeon you like, you've gone on for your consult, you know, there's different ways of how surgeons will project what they think a patient should look like or the kind of nose they should have. There's computer imaging. There's, you know, different drawings you can do there's all sorts of things that you can do but ultimately as a patient you have to get on board with what the plan is and know in your mind of idea of what it's going to look like yeah you want to you want to have a you want to have a good idea that your surgeon is on the same page as you right. in terms of what's going to happen with this operation right now no, i will important. tell you <laughs> You know, and I, I hate to bag on computer imaging. I, I mean, I, I, I know I should do it or whatever, but I, I draw pictures because my my drawings really come out kind of the way, that, like it's a 90% kind of deal when we've polled the audience. You know, my drawings look like what's going to happen to their nose, and it's really kind of close. Um, it's not a guarantee, and it's not a... It's not going to, it's a drawing, so it represents my thinking about what's going to happen. What's going to change and, right, how it's going to look. The computer imaging, I think, is difficult because, and this is why it's difficult for me, because all it's doing is Photoshopping, you know, the photo that you take, you get that moment in time, and there are shadows and light reflexes, and then with with Photoshopping, you can push those shadows and light light reflexes around, but you can't make new ones. And when I do rhinoplasty, I make new ones. So that's the difference is that right. I, you know, and rhinoplasty comes in so many different sizes. There's the 
20 minute three move rhinoplasty which is still done today it's an enclosed you know rhinoplasty where the hump's taken down some cartilage gets trimmed and the and the nasal uh, osteotomies are done the nasal fractures and it's over and then there's much more complex versions of rhinoplasty with an open columella and external approach and grafting and changing things and making new light reflexes and new shadows in the nose that make the nose look better that's more what i do and they're two completely different animals they're not the same and they don't produce the same results well let's talk about that because everyone there's different ways of doing a rhinoplasty so without getting too detailed about it because you know 101 there is an open approach and there's a closed approach a closed approach means that the incision is completely in the inside of the nose there is an incision there is a scar it's just hidden inside the nose i'm sorry dr Ravel. i thought that was called scarless no, rhinoplasty it is not scarless oh it's not it's not there are scars in the nose there but wait scars. it says on this website that he does scarless rhinoplasty i know i know, I know. curb okay curb your enthusiasm I'm done. no detours <laughs> that is a close be very i know external or open rhinoplasty means that there is an incision on the outside of your nose it's on the columella which is the center area of skin in the middle of your nose tiny little incision you release the skin and you're looking right at the structures of the nose sort of from the top down and there are many reasons why someone would do closed many why they would do open that's where you sort of have to look at your surgeon and and take their advice because it's not about the technique, as we say all the time, it's about the results. So if you yeah. like your surgeon and you like the results they get and they tell you this is the technique that they need to do to get those results in you, then that's what you need to do. And that's, it's as simple as that. Well, the, I, I, the, one of our trainees who will remain nameless was saying that they were watching an interview with a surgeon from Beverly Hills who'd saying, at this point in my career, I have the skill set to only do closed rhinoplasty. Like that matters. Like the patient's going like, oh, I should go there. Like, Well, people what, think what that they that? should because, well, here's the, here, okay, so what's the difference, right? Closed versus open. A closed rhinoplasty benefits. You have a faster recovery, decreased swelling. Downsides, you can't always get as much tip refinement or as much detailed structure as you might be able to get in an open rhinoplasty. So some people don't need all of that, in which case they are great for the closed. External approach, open rhinoplasty. You're gonna have a little bit longer recovery. You're gonna be swollen for longer. Benefits, you can do more detailed tip work. You can be a little more refined in the work you do. You can put some more graphs in there. And so that's the benefit of the external. And neither one is better than the other. It's just what you can achieve. It, both will produce a result. Yes. And the level of achievement that is, that is, obtain, is attained in that result is truly subjective. So this is the thing about rhinoplasty is when you're looking to find a rhinoplasty surgeon, you're going to come up against information overload of oh, I do preservation rhinoplasty. Oh, I only do closed rhinoplasty. I do scarless rhinoplasty. And 
my answer to that is, well, how do their noses look? Do you like their rhinoplasties? The problem being, of course, that patients cannot look at the difference between the patient gallery of a guy who says, I only do preservation rhinoplasty closed because he's going to show results that are really good. And, and so for them, they won't be able to tell, is this the technique that I want? Because he's advertising a technique. And I think as a patient, as a potential rhinoplasty patient, the key is to look at those before and afters and then look at how many a year this surgeon is doing. And if you love those before and afters and you feel confident with that surgeon, you feel confident with that office, that's where you go. Great. So now we've made our choice. We've decided we're going to have an open or closed. So now what? So now we come on the day of surgery. Surgery, you'll go into your pre-op area. You'll go to surgery. Surgery for a primary rhinoplasty will be anywhere from you know two to four hours, just depending on how complex it is and what needs or to be minutes. done. There are 20-minute rhinoplasties. There are 20-minute rhinoplasties. I'm telling you, I could do them. I don't, but I could. I could do them like they're out of style. But usually it's a couple they of hours. They are out of style. We're not talking about 20-minute rhinoplasties here on this one-on-one podcast. (laughs) That's the 80s What you're going to find after you come out of your surgery, you're going to have a splint on the top of your nose. It's kind of like a little cast that stays there. And you'll have some kind of internal splint as well. I think most people use internal silicone splints. They're called Doyle splints. Some people do packing, which is gauze that you put in your nose. We're not making any comments on either of those. Just know that you'll have something in your nose. I'm making a comment. <laughs> Ow. I don't like packing. I, I and yes, some I people know. some I'm people use it. Some surgeons choose to use it. But the idea is that there's something on the inside <laughs> that will that. eventually come out. Are you, are you getting frustrated? With yes. <laughs> <laughs> Try to move this along. Only pertinent information that the patients need to know. Okay. <laughs> Doyle splints or packing. Yes. Good. And the splint on the outside will most likely come off in about a week. The ones on the inside, usually a week, uh, maybe longer, depending on if a lot of work was done on the inside. That's true. Yeah. And what you can expect afterwards, you know, a couple days, some pain and discomfort. Once those splints come out, you'll really feel a lot better because you can really breathe better and you're not as uncomfortable. You're going to have some bruising. You may have some under eye bruising, some bruising of the nose. You're definitely going to be swollen. All of this takes time to come down. But usually by a week from a pain and discomfort standpoint, you're feeling okay. Yeah. And there's two different types of reveals when the splint comes off. There's the closed rhinoplasty reveal where the splint coming off the angels sing (laughs) it looks amazing you're happy it's like oh my god it's incredible and then there's the open rhinoplasty reveal where (laughs) the nose kind of looks a little bit like a potato right a little bit swollen it looks better but you know the hump's probably gone but it's it's pretty swollen and so that's that's the the difference that's the difference between the two is that Oh, pretty soon, right after surgery, the closed rhinoplasty looks really good because there's just less swelling. Um, the external approach takes just a little bit longer. Yeah, and that's okay. You just have to kind of be prepared. You just have to know that. Yeah. Uh, for what what's going to be. Yeah. Because if your friend had a closed rhinoplasty and the splint coming down was like the the life altering moment, 
that they just tell everybody about, oh my God, and then the splint came off and it looked, and you had an external rhinoplasty where you had to have major septal work and osteotomies and grafts, blah, 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 blah. Then your nose is going to be a little more swollen and it's not right. going to look great the first week. And that that's where the understanding what you because because every rhinoplasty is different if you're doing it right as the surgeon then you're custom tailoring the operation to the patient and you're doing the best techniques the best grafts or not grafts whatever it is that they need you're doing the best for them so it's going to be different for every patient what happens from my nose to versus your nose is two different operations. It's different operations. They're going to have different recoveries. Usually for the external ones, you're going to see mm, at six weeks, maybe 85% of your swelling down. Three months, 90 yeah. 95 but really six months to a year to really see the nose kind of hit its final resting place and be what it's actually going to be that being said you can go out in public you know two three weeks the average person the waiter taking your order is not going to know that you had something done no. now your friends and your family who see you every day will look at you and know you had something done your nose is going to look swollen to them it's going to look different and so if you're really trying to hold off on the big reveal to your friends and family you might want to wait to close that are like four to six weeks before you really go out and and show your nose off around town yeah i mean those are those are real numbers and it does take about a full year to totally heal right um, during that time, it will get better and better the whole way. Yes, for sure. It definitely will. But yeah, hold off on your you know, your headshots and your photos for at least three months before you do anything with that. And if you have problems along the way, please be sure to follow up with your surgeon. And what kind of problems could a patient have, doctor? Difficulty breathing through the nose, bleeding, crusting. So what happens right away? Like what would be like, a, <coughs> what, would, what could potentially go wrong right away and then afterwards? Well, the, uh, right away it's bleeding is the big right. issue. You can get, uh, I have one patient a year that just cuts loose on mm. the bleeding and they wind up in either the emergency room if they're not around or they wind up here in the office with us actually packing their nose. Yeah. So that's the one time that I find packing to be very useful is to stop bleeding. Um, but that's pretty uncommon that it winds you up in the ER or back here. But like I said, one a year for me, maybe one every three years now. I, I haven't had them in a, in a while. But um, And then, of course, difficulty breathing through the nose, which right. if you make noses smaller, they can have problems moving air and especially the mucosa the lining of the nose doesn't really wake up uh, for about three or four months especially after you do a septoplasty and all these other fancy moves then uh, it can kind of feel kind of clogged and right. and the mucus doesn't get sort of beat back into your nasopharynx the into your throat uh, like it normally does and so it can just sit there and you can have you can get some pretty wild book <laughs> i've taken some stuff out of noses yeah. that you know should be probably placed in a museum of natural history of some kind right so. and some people will say they also just have runny nose that lasts for a while um i think also do the changes in the mucosa so you just kind of have this chronic like yeah, runny thing yeah. yeah that happens after a while um, but the idea is actually usually that over time as the swelling goes down and things improve your breathing should actually be hopefully better yeah. you know if everything's been placed properly and the structures are midline you've opened and supported the airway you know the breathing should be better that being said that is the most common complication of rhinoplasty breathing problems afterwards 
Yeah, I mean, but uh, you know, those are things that you need to tell your doctor about. You gotta you gotta make sure that you go back to your surgeon and say, hey, this is what's going on because we have remedies for all these things. We do. We have all kinds of problems. If you if you have a concern about how it's healing, you know, we have options. When you come back for your first post op visit, we take your splint down. We show you how to tape the nose. A little bit later, you might get some nose cones in your nose. All these are things that are done to control the healing process so that you can ultimately have the best result possible. Because there's a lot that can happen in that first six weeks with regards to healing that can ultimately affect the final result. So you have to come, you have to follow up because we can recognize problems or we can instruct you on what the next phase of your healing should be. Oh, tape it like this, don't tape it like that. Like This is what you should be doing. Oh, there's a little bit of scar tissue forming there. Maybe we should inject it. So yep. these are all things that we can help you with in the healing process. Yeah. And then, of course, if you, uh, you know, as you're going through the healing process, you know, you should look better and better through time. Mm-hmm. And you can, you know, high five your friends, high five your surgeon <laughs> or whoever referred you in. And, you know, that that's really the goal is that right. it should be. You know, it should be a really uplifting and awesome experience. You know, some don'ts after surgery, don't exercise hard for about three or four weeks. Yeah, um, no, for sure. That'll definitely, I mean, you could create bleeding, you'll prolong the swelling, you can knock something out of place. So yeah. just, if you're a skier, yeah. get one of those face shields and ski <laughs> that next season with a face shield. Um, help in the facial because it's just like you don't want to like wail on your nose. You don't. And that's especially in the very beginning because. Typically, in in most rhinoplasties, there are osteotomies. That means that we break the bones of your nose, usually to narrow them or bring them in. And like any fresh fracture or or bone that's been broken, it's not healed yet for a good six weeks. So it's very easy to knock those bones out of position if you get whacked too hard. So just be really careful and try to protect the nose and try not to sustain any hard blows to it. Yeah, and you want to sleep up on you know two or three pillows to get the swelling to go down. There's, there are things that you can do to kind of move this along. The taping we talked about already. There's a video on YouTube, Dr. J. Calvert nose taping. Check that out. Um, but you know that that's sort of the basics of rhinoplasty. Yeah. Um, anything more? I think we're going to get into the, the depths <laughs> of it, so I don't want to go there. I will tell you uh, for you all listening at home the. There are multiple podcasts that we've done about rhinoplasty, from rib grafts to revision rhinoplasty to what to do with Hiller bases, Asian rhinoplasty. I mean, there's revision Asian rhinoplasty. I mean, there's a ton. So if you have a question about rhinoplasty, check out our catalog, our library of, uh, of podcasts. I think you'll find something there. You'll find something to suit you. Absolutely. But I think for now, that is the Rhinoplasty 101 podcast. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, ravelloplasticsurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel, 
for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Bye.